Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Brett Baer, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, November 24th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. Not just any Friday. It's Black Friday, a post-Thanksgiving tradition, but is it still a big deal? I don't think you're going to see people fighting over television sets or long lines in the stores because it's simply been dispersed over many more days. Black Friday is almost more of a concept or an idea than it is a specific time frame. And Lisa Brady, a new weapon in the fight against obesity isn't all that new. We like it for diabetes, but we noticed that people on it were losing weight. And so that began an idea of can we use it for weight loss? And I'm Carol Roth. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. It's something a lot of Americans can't wait for. Waking up early the day after a Thanksgiving feast for a shopping binge. I love the whole Black Friday thing. I usually get all my Christmas shopping done for the kids on that one day. She'll hardly be alone. The National Retail Federation predicts about 130 million people will be shopping today. Almost double the number expected to buy online on Cyber Monday. All hoping to see big discounts. Sales are very important right now because everything is just so expensive and we have a lot to buy for. It's estimated that overall this holiday season we'll spend $957 billion. That's between 3 and 4% more than last year. With many expecting to get some deals today. Yes, I feel like they're almost a little bit better this year. They've rolled out Black Friday deals earlier with lower prices. She just put her finger on why Black Friday isn't what it used to be. Stores have dangled the discounts in front of us for weeks. The day itself is still important. It's still the largest shopping day of the year. Although uh, Super Saturday, which is the Saturday right before Christmas, is giving it a run for the money. Jerry Storch runs his own retail advisory firm. He used to be CEO of Hudson's Bay, Saks parent company. He was also CEO of Toys R Us at one point and is an ex-Target vice chairman. But what's happened is Black Friday has kind of spread out. You may have noticed Black Friday ads for the entire month of November. And in fact, you know, on the Internet, Black Friday began days ago. But for stores, today is still the biggest day. Black Friday is still the winning day of the year. So for those people who still love the sport of getting up early and heading to the store, are they still going to see the same kind of thing, the doorbusters, the early deals, all that? They will. There's still great deals on Black Friday. Most retailers pull out all the stop for this day. I don't think you're going to see people fighting over television sets or long lines in the stores because it's simply been dispersed over many more days. Black Friday is almost more of a concept or an idea than it is a specific time frame. But the question is, with all these sales that we've already had and the more that are coming up, how do you know? Why do you have to pull the trigger today? I mean, the deal you, you see in a store today, you don't have to get, right? You Maybe you'll wait. There's a better one in two weeks, right? Isn't that possible? 
I think it's not just possible, but probable there'll be better deals. You get closer to Christmas because I think this year retailers have it pretty tough. The truth is, when you look at all the retail reports that have come out just in the last two weeks, for example, where many retailers reported their results from the prior quarter, you saw that most retailers, most of the big ones, reported negative same store sales, meaning their sales for the last quarter were actually lower than they were last year for the same quarter. So what you're seeing in absolute dollars is a decline in sales at individual stores. So they're going to have to fight for every dollar of sales going forward. Consumers are still buying. They still have some money, but they're not buying as many things as they did in years past. Consumers are spending more on services, including, of course, the much uh, publicized vacations or cruises or dining out. But also, frankly, with inflation, consumers have to spend a lot more money on other services like health care and rent. And that's eating up consumer dollars. So it's been a struggle to sell physical products to consumers uh, at the end of this year, this time frame. Yeah, there's this uh, survey that Prosper Insights and Analytics did with the National Retail Federation. 23% plan to give a gift of experience. You talked about this kind of stuff. What are we talking, like a spa or a hotel trip, a vacation? What are we talking about with that? It could be and it could be tickets to a concert. That's one of the big ones uh, these days. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, just, you know, just uh, the, the reality is that during the pandemic, consumers were stuck at home. They were flush with cash from all the government spending. And they did spend that money on, you know, electronics, on furniture, on home improvement. And now we're seeing major declines in some of those categories. So on the most recent retail sales report, furniture was down almost 12 percent. Building materials were down 6%. We saw some disappointing numbers from Lowe's this week and from Home Depot last week. And department stores were down 4%. We saw Macy sales were down 7%, for example. Coal sales uh, were down almost 6%. So we're seeing that consumers are buying services. But believe me, when you add it all up, a lot of those are really necessities masquerading as luxuries. You know, you you've been a leader of of stores like Saks or or Toys R Us, these department stores that are out. The Toys R Us is trying to make a comeback, but these department stores, how much harder is it for a manager to figure out how much to stock in a store these days? It's been a huge problem. That's a great question. And so what we saw near the end of the pandemic was a lot of retailers were way overstocked, and that cost them a fortune to clear all of that. And so what they're doing this year is they're buying very conservatively, which means that, you know, really, there are a lot of out of stocks, a lot more out of stocks than you would have seen uh, before the pandemic when the world was more stable. And so it's very, very difficult. So, uh, you know, on uh, goods that are necessity, sure, those will be in stock. No one's going to run out of those because you know, there's not a big cost to the retailer. They have too much of it. They just sell it all anyway because it's something that we all need and buy frequently. But on discretionary items like apparel, electronics, seasonal products, they've been very, very careful. And a lot of stores I saw, for example, were totally out of stock of Halloween costumes well before Halloween. I think you're going to see that for holiday items in general as we go through the next couple of weeks. Of course, you don't even have to buy any of that stuff. That survey I referenced earlier, the most popular gift, you're going to know this before I even say it, is the gift card. 55% in that survey say they would like to get at least one of those for Christmas. That's the easiest thing to buy, right? Well, you know, then you leave it up to the, the recipient to buy something they really want and as opposed to that ugly sweater or, or uh, whatever else it is that gets re-gifted or stays in the closet. Do the stores... Love that. I mean, how much better is it for a store to sell a gift card versus an item? 
Uh, we love it when you buy a gift card. There's no inventory issue. Very So there's no investment, if you will, that you have to get a return on. You know, the gift cards essentially are almost free for the store. And uh, it's and, and not only that, but, you know, at the end of the day, as much as you'd like everyone to come back, some customers never redeem them. And so, uh, you know, often a couple of percent of that uh, money just goes unredeemed and uh, goes into the retailer's profit. Yeah. So no wonder love you that. love it. Yeah, no wonder you love that's yeah. free money. Yeah. <laughs> so. but, but but for the big percentage that do redeem it, think about it. They're advertising for you. So they're giving a gift. It's not just that there was that the giver had to come into the store to get it, which usually is the case, although you can buy a lot of them online. But but the uh, but not only did the giver come into the store, but now you're giving something to the recipient that requires them to go to your store or website to get it. And when they do that, they may spend even more than what's on the gift card. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, most people do, right? If you get a $50 gift card somewhere like Macy's, you're probably going to spend more than that. Is that what the research shows? Absolutely. No one wants to leave a couple of bucks that are, go unspent. It feels like you didn't get your money's worth. But in the process, that $50 gift card might turn into a $75 purchase. Yeah. Also, as I was looking, 30% in that survey said that they plan to buy gifts for fewer people this year, which goes into your difficulty for the retailer these days. So when will you know how things are going early December? Will will even the numbers from Black Friday into Cyber Monday tell you how the season's going? We already know it's going to be a tough Christmas. Now, it could come late. There's a lot of days, you know, Thanksgiving's early this year. And so there are a lot of days left until Christmas between Thanksgiving and, and uh, Christmas. And, uh, and uh, you know, it could be different than that, but usually it's not. You know, in retail, the trend that you've seen is what you're going to see. That's the best bet. So the best bet is it's going to be a slow holiday season. It's not not disastrous, but slow. What do you think the percentage of the sales between Black Friday and even Cyber Monday, which is specifically supposed to be for Internet, how much of the percentage of shopping is going to be online, in your opinion? It grows every year. I think we're, we're you know, passing a quarter and heading towards a third, but I think it's, it'll be close to about a quarter. You know, you have the impression it's almost like everything, but a lot of consumers still buy online and pick up in the store or they see what they want online, then go to the store to buy it. But uh, stores are still the dominant mode of uh, shopping in our country, but it, it's changing fast and uh, and we see, uh, you know, continual growth. So, for example, if I said like the last sales report showed that, uh, you know, uh, one to two percent year over year increase in total sales, the Internet was of eight percent. So you can see that it's continuing to grab share as we uh, leave the pandemic period. You know, you've been dealing with this for a long time in retail. The, the, the history of this day as, as I look back on it, it talks about how in the 70s and 80s, the term Black Friday seemed to r rise to prominence. And then it became this idea that it's because that retailers lose money all year until the day after Thanksgiving. And then that's when they finally go from the red to the black. Is that true? Of course, that's not true because, you know, we just seen, for example, quarterly reports from many retailers and most of them made money. So uh, for the third quarter, which is one of the slower quarters of the year. So so, no, that's not true that they that they don't make money at that, you know, uh, in the rest of the so year. So how does that but, happen? How does that become the, like this fact that people tell each other? 
don't know. There's a lot of urban legends that aren't true, aren't there? But <laughs> it, 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 it is true that you make a lot more money on these high volume days and they can be, you know, make or break for uh, for how you do as a retailer year over year or how you do as a management team where you get to stick around and keep running the company. So believe me, it's pretty darn important that you have a strong holiday season in retail. That's a given by its nature. Retail is a seasonal business in the fourth quarter. It's unusually important, but most retailers make money all year long. Are you glad that that whole thing, that experiment like 10 years ago of making this Thanksgiving shopping uh, before Black Friday, that seems to have gone? You know, I was never one that was totally against that, I have to say, because the people that went shopping on Thanksgiving Day, they chose to do that. And the employees, they hey, they were making like uh, triple time, a lot of them, for working then. And, and, and most retailers had voluntary. It was voluntary where they wanted to work then on that day. And meanwhile, you know, they're playing a football games on. So I used to say, look, some people don't like football, believe it or not, uh, even though I love football. But if you don't want to watch football games, uh, you don't have to sit around and do nothing. You got to go shopping on Thanksgiving. So I don't think it was the end of the world. Having said that, I think everyone has voted uh, with our hearts here and said, no, we want to keep Thanksgiving pure from shopping. But Black Friday was always so, you know, so important because then, hey, this is a day almost everyone has off except for retailers, right? It's a holiday. And so uh, why not go and do the number one American pastime, which is shopping? Yeah. Well, there is football, actually. For the first time, the NFL is doing time. Black Friday, right? Jets, Dolphins, the first one. I know. Well, you know, I'm a big Dolphins fan, so look forward to that and uh, hope that, uh, you know, that the Jets don't... Uh, don't come up too short here, but it doesn't look very good for them. Yeah, they may need to go yeah. shopping for a quarterback on Black Friday. All right, yeah. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Storch, CEO for Storch Advisors, former CEO for Hudson's Bay Company and Toys R Us, former vice chairman at Target. Thanks very much for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie your trusted ally in home services. This is Carol Roth with your Fox News commentary coming up. About four in 10 U.S. adults are considered obese, so it's not surprising that a new treatment for obesity would quickly become popular. I've tried everything. I've tried HCG. I've tried the 
uh, whatever the diet is where you eat just meats and cheeses and yeah, yeah, I've tried it all. Stephanie Schaffner telling Fox 26 in Houston how Ozempic, a diabetes drug, helped her lose weight. It's also been helpful for Victoria Andrews, who's pre-diabetic and weighed over 400 pounds. Sometimes at such a large weight, you do need help. And I was debating between like getting the gastric sleeve. However, both talked about the importance of a doctor's guidance to use the prescription drug properly. And while they describe Ozempic as not a quick fix, it became a trend for weight loss, including among celebrities, and then got hard to find. But the bigger picture is what's happening with multiple medications under a variety of brand names, originally used to treat diabetes, now also approved for weight loss. The FDA recently greenlighting Eli Lilly's new obesity treatment, a version of their diabetes drug Monjaro, and similar acting to the medication in Ozempic, Wagovi, and Rebelsis. Semaglutide has been around for over a decade. It's been used as a diabetes drug. Dr. Mark Siegel is a Fox News medical contributor and professor of medicine at NYU Langone Medical Center. It improves insulin metabolism and glucose metabolism and overcomes insulin resistance and decreases inflammation. We like it for diabetes, but we noticed that people on it were losing weight. And so that began an idea of can we use it for weight loss? Now, diabetes and obesity are hand in hand because the more obese you are, if you have a tendency to diabetes, the more you may get it. It's not a rule. You could have diabetes and be thin, but as you gain weight, if you have a tendency, it will be more likely to come out. So if we get you to lose weight and we get control of your diabetes, it's an important twofer. Could this be a trend that ends up backfiring in some way? Because, you know, some of these diabetes drugs, for instance, are in short supply at times, right? There's a lot of ways this can backfire. But I want to say first, I think these drugs work. We've been struggling along with uh, weight loss drugs that don't work that well. And, you know, everybody's looking for a magic pill, so to speak, or literally. And, and I, as an internist, prefer any way to get weight off short of surgery. I mean, bariatric surgery has become very, very popular and common. And some of the uh, hormonal effects of bariatric surgery are similar to what you see from the semaglutides from o- Ozembic and Wagovi. So I'm glad it's there. The problem is that it's become a, ce- a cause a celebra where celebrities are taking it over and everybody wants it and people want it who may not need it. One of the things this drug does is it slows gastric emptying, these drugs, meaning that you pathway through your GI tract is slowed down. Your stomach doesn't empty as fast. Well, that could have long-term implications for somebody who already has a propensity for bowel trouble. And so I want to be looking at that. We want to be looking at that long-term. We don't want to stick people on any medicine, especially one that we haven't used for this purpose before, and then just say, okay, stay on it for good. It may be that short-term use in some populations is actually the right approach. And what about other potential dangers, eating disorders, for instance? How should patients be you know, screened to prevent abuse of a drug like Ozempic? Really important that two things don't happen. One has already happened, which that the drug's been taken away from diabetics because it's such a shortage, nobody can get it. And diabetics need it first and foremost, especially obese diabetics. It's a shame that there's such a run on this drug. I think that Novo Nordisk is becoming very, very successful there in Denmark. And, and you know, the, the other thing, and that's not a joke, it is, 
The other thing that that's happening is that people are rushing to this who might have eating disorders, to your point, that are that are, that no weight is good enough for them. They're looking on social media. They're looking for perfection. They, they want to get to be a twig. That's a very, very dangerous reason to be taking a weight loss drug. You've already indicated that this is not really intended to be, you know, something that people take indefinitely. Um, so what about, you know, the yo-yo syndrome, weight loss, and then you gain weight back, and that can have an impact, very negative impact on the body as well, right? I'm concerned about that, but I have to rely on patient feedback because I was hoping that the drug could reset your eating thermostat, so to speak, so that you develop healthier habits on the drug that then carry over when you're off the drug. But the problem is that some of the weight loss effects you're seeing are just metabolic effects where you're, where your body's using insulin better and using glucose better. So it's not uh, metabolizing glucose more efficiently. So it's not just eating how much you eat. So uh, there's a lot of rebound that's going on for people that try to stop it. And I don't have the solution to that yet, but we got to look at that very carefully. Can we go to lower doses for a while? Well, the doses, it's hard to find any dose right now, let alone a low dose. We can't even find a low dose. Yeah. There's a study paid for by the maker of Wagovi, um, which you referenced. Um, it did find a reduced risk of serious heart problems by 20 percent. But it's really not clear how much of that benefits from the drug and how much is from losing the weight. Right. But this could this be another you know crossover medication in the works where you have it addressing heart issues as well? Yes. And, uh, uh, you're referring to um, a medication called Jardians that treats diabetes and heart disease as a secondary effect, uh, takes pressure off the heart. I think that there's a twofer going on here because it's it's for sure the case that if you drop the weight, no matter how you drop it, it's better for your blood pressure, better for your heart, better for your risk of stroke, better for all kinds of medical complications, clearly diabetes if you have it. So we don't know if it's a direct effect of the drug. The drug is an anti-inflammatory and inflammation leads to heart attack or stroke. It doesn't almost doesn't matter which it is because both effects are good. These are not the first drugs to be approved for multiple uses, obviously. Um, should we expect to see more of that now, though? Is this becoming more common? This is going to get even more dramatic, what we're talking about, because Pfizer and Lilly and Novo Nordisk are all working on oral versions of this. This is an injectable, this drug a self-injection that you take once a week. And it's amazing how many people, you know, who don't want to give themselves injections are not even blinking before doing this one. But there's going to be a pill out in six months, probably. And then everybody's, then there's going to be a huge run on this. So, you know, it's it's up to physicians to, to prescribe this uh, adequately, fairly, not overuse it, not underuse it either. Because again, I think it's the first really effective weight loss drug we've ever had, which is not to say that I don't prescribe lifestyle changes or, or diet changes. I do. I believe that's first and foremost. How much are you exercising a day? Our biggest problem in the United States is that we're sedentary. And the pandemic made that a lot worse. The Federal Trade Commission recently issued a warning to trade associations, some registered dietitians and other online health influencers about posts promoting aspartame or sugar 
you know, yet another area where social media is getting called out as potentially bad for our health. Because they're not doctors, because they're not discerning, because they have another agenda. You know, I uh, I realized that when I was growing up, I liked the feeling of bubbles from drinking soda or Coca-Cola. So, you know what I did? I transitioned that I'm not alone to drinking sparkling water. I can't I can't stand water, but I love sparkling water. Probably, uh, you know, I'm psychoanalyzing myself, but sparkling water is not particularly unhealthy. But aspartame is in way too many products. And and, you know, and we're not looking into that enough. What are the long term effects of using of using uh, these supplements? I think that if some company isn't promoting one thing, they're promoting another thing. And I think social media has made this all way worse. Well, and is there a danger as we get more innovative and we have, you know, pills to better help with things like weight loss and fighting obesity? Is there a danger of getting a false sense of security from these drugs and these advancements that people will then not pay as much attention maybe to cutting down on sugar and salt intake? I think it's a Band-Aid. And I think you're absolutely right that you have to ask how you got to the point where you were even needing this drug. Now, some of it's metabolism. Some people have very slow metabolism. Some people, you know, really don't have a way out of this. But for most people, are you walking where you go? Are you doing cardiovascular exercise every day? Are you eating too much salt and too much sugar? What kind of processed foods are you eating? Are you eating enough salads? Are you eating enough vegetables? I'm a fan of the Mediterranean diet. I can't see any reason to be eating all this dairy and meat that people are eating. Not good for you on on many levels. Cholesterol, risk of heart disease, weight. What about Ozempic or drugs like it for minors? Because obviously there's a huge problem with childhood obesity in the U.S. Do they have children's versions? Are they working on children's versions? They're working on children's versions, and it's going to be an issue I still prefer it to bariatric surgery. There's a big controversy there about doing bariatric surgery on kids. But of course, I don't like high blood pressure in kids and I don't like diabetes in kids either. I think it it goes back to this issue. How much is a child exercising? What kind of a role model are you as a parent? Are you exercising? What's on that dinner table? Is it is it sugar? Is it is it dessert? Is it uh, soda with sugar in it? What are your kids eating? Is it constantly carbohydrates? Or are you aware of the need for more fruits and vegetables and berries and nuts and fish? And obviously the cost can be a factor and prep time can be a factor, um, but certainly parents kind of under pressure and physicians under pressure too, um, not to overprescribe these new medicines that are really intended for, as you say, obesity and not losing a few pounds. Yeah, but you just said something that I was being a little bit... uh, I don't want to see insensitive. You focused in on something really important. Some of this is a socioeconomic problem. I can tell poor people to eat vegetables, but they may not be able to afford them. I think that requires a governmental intervention. How do we reach people in underserved areas? There's a big healthcare disparity in this country, and some people can only afford to go to fast food. What, what's in the schools now that they're reopened? You know, why don't we go back towards emphasizing vegetables and salads for our kids in school? Fox News medical contributor, Dr. Mark Siegel, thank you so much for your time. Great to be with you, Lisa, always. Thank you. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. 
A New Hampshire man who lived a quiet, unassuming life has shocked his small town by leaving it millions of dollars. Jeffrey Holt passed away in June at age 82. Locals in Hinsdale say he was anything but ostentatious. He wore old clothes and drove a lawnmower to get around instead of using a car. Neighbors say his home was largely empty and he did not have a TV or Internet. But what he did have was quiet success as a financial investor. And when he died, he left instructions for his estate managers to pay out his $3.8 million fortune to the town of Hinsdale. His sister says she knew Jeffrey had been good at investing, but had no idea the extent of his earnings. As for what the town plans to do with the money, that's still being decided. Ideas have been offered, such as building restorations, an upgrade for the town hall, and ballot counting machines for local voters. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Carol Roth. What's on your mind? Volatility domestically and globally has penetrated our lives, creating a tough environment for many Americans. People are feeling demoralized, scared, worried, and a whole host of other valid emotions and everyday realities. Chaos is all around us, and it can be hard to stay grounded in gratitude. However, focusing on the blessings and other goodness that we have in our lives is critical to our mental and physical well-being. Starting from a place of gratitude helps us to choose happiness and manage through the various challenges and complexities we face, whether those be day-to-day events or those completely out of our control. Here's a sample of my gratitude this year. Family and friends. Family is always at the top of my list. Although the holidays can be difficult for those like me who have lost loved ones or who are estranged from them, I try not to dwell on the loss and focus on the here and now and the good memories. Be grateful for those who are around you, even if they are the family you have chosen for yourself. Keep your inner circle tight and filled with love. I truly believe that love is one of the keys to making people more successful, happy, and fulfilled. The courageous. From COVID to inflation to the last month and a half filled with rampant anti-Semitism, there has been a clear distinction between the cowards and the courageous. The courageous have used their voices to protect and raise up the truth, often when they had nothing at stake other than the truth itself. I am always and forever grateful to those who show courage to do, say, and defend what is right and what is good, especially in the face of evil. Being an American. Despite efforts by some to damage our country's foundation, it is an incredible privilege to be an American. Whether you've been fortunate enough to win the genetic lottery and be born here or have become an American by choice, 
as an American, you are part of something historic and special in the world. Gratitude for being an American should be the foundation that gives us the spirit and drive to defend our country and its constitution. We should also remember to be consistently grateful for all the men and women who give their lives to protect and defend our country each day. The entrepreneurs and innovators. The entrepreneurs and innovators who have brought incredible technology, conveniences, indulgences, life-saving measures, and more into our lives are something that we often take for granted and for which we should be absolutely grateful. From delicious chocolates and restaurant experiences to incredible music and movies to fashion and appliances, the entrepreneurs, small business owners, and innovators who work to bring us comforts and indulgences make today in America the best place and time to be living in all of history, despite some of the macro challenges we face. Our maker. From laughter to animals to the beauty of nature, the gift of being alive is something for which we should all be grateful. We should be grateful to God or whatever entity you believe in for the incredible wonders and blessings we encounter each and every day. Think and give thanks for all of the abundance you encounter each day and share that with others. It's too easy to focus on everything that is wrong, but we all have so much more that is right in our lives. Let the good shine through in you and your life. This is Carol Roth. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. To hear the podcast version of this program, go to foxnewspodcasts.com. And for all the latest news, go to foxnews.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.